So uh, anyway, we're glad you're here this morning, and uh, we're going to jump back into Ruth here. I also want to say quick thanks to, to uh, Doc for teaching for me uh, a couple weeks ago. I got to take my, my, take my wife away for a couple days for her birthday, and uh, uh, she does not get that ever. Uh, uh, she, what she gets is seven kids all the time, so that's, uh, I'm grateful for that. Thank you for, for letting us do that. But uh, yeah, let's jump, let's jump into the book of Ruth here. If you've got a Bible, go ahead and get it out. If you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one. Uh, and just let them know uh, that you need it, and uh, we uh, we're glad uh, to get to uh, uh, get to study the word together this morning. But uh, throw your hand up and let them know if you need one. If you don't own one, you can keep it. Uh, we'd love for you to take it with you and and uh, consider it yours. But uh, uh, we're going to Ruth chapter four today. And if you're just tuning in to this series, uh, we've been talking through uh, the entire book of Ruth, um, and uh, you know this is. Uh, this is, uh, I, I've, I've really enjoyed teaching this. Uh, God has spoke to my heart a lot through it. I, I've had many of you talk to me about it. I'm grateful for that. I always love the feedback, whether it's good or bad or whatever. You know, you can tell me it stinks. I don't care. Uh, actually, I do care, but you can still tell me. That's fine. Uh, if you want to hurt me, that's cool. Uh, but uh, no. Uh, <laughs> But no, it's, uh, you know, the, the, the story of Ruth, you know, fits. Uh, it. it <sighs> We love it for a lot of reasons, you know, and I was thinking about this as I was studying on it yesterday. Uh, we love it for a lot of reasons, and, you know, some of those reasons are we identify uh, with this, we, we identify we identify with a love story. We identify with that for sure, uh, but then uh, on top of that, uh, you have things like uh, the fact that it, it really happened, okay, and it fits within the story of what God was doing for the whole world. You know, it, it fits into his narrative. It's a part of his story. So we have a part of God's story, and then we have a part of somebody else's story that we can identify with within that. Uh, and, and, it, and it helps us feel close to it. You know, it helps us feel like, man, this, uh, you know, I could have been a part of that, or, you know, whatever it may be. Uh, and, and there's so many facets to this. And, and again, if you're just tuning in on this, like, I don't, we don't have time for like a full recap, but, but, the, but the Cliff Notes version is, you know, we started out uh, with a husband and a wife and their two sons and a famine and, uh, in, the, in the land, and, and, the, and they left. They left the land. They went to it. They moved to another country. They moved to Moab uh, and left God's people and God's land to, kind of kind of on the run a little bit probably on the run from the Lord even at that uh, and go to this other land and then the two sons both marry uh, when they get there uh, and are married for some time uh, and then the dad and both sons die and they're literally left with the mother and two daughters-in-law and so, you know, then they're left to, you know, try to figure out what to do. One of the daughters-in-law stays. Uh, the mother-in-law tries to get both of them to stay. She's like, just go make, go make new lives for yourselves. You know, I don't have anything to offer you, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, you know, long story short, they end up, um, uh, one stays, but the other one, Ruth, ends up going with the mother-in-law, Naomi, back to, uh, you know, the land where she was from uh, to be with God's people in Judah and so uh, to be with the people of Israel. And so uh, we see, you know, them, you know, make this trek back and, you know, the dealings with, you know, everything and her, you know, Naomi, the mother-in-law's emotions, she's very bitter. She wants people to call her bitter. She's so bitter. I mean, literally, I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, and 
and then the and then the daughter-in-law kind of trying. We see the story of her, you know, trying to kind of come alongside of her mother-in-law and try to help her minister to her through this really hard time, you know. And it's and it's crazy. And and then you know, there's this whole there's this whole huge thing, you know, with the law at that time, you know, where you know. There's if there's land involved and you know how do you you know who gets the land and who can marry who and all these things and you know there there was all set where you know a family member would you know take up marrying you know this person you know if uh, they wanted to and all these things and you know long story short we end up you know with the daughter-in-law Ruth going to work in a field that belonged to what could have been her what they call redeemer, uh, a kin's redeemer. Uh, it's a little different than the redeemer that we see in Jesus uh, as far as the way the word is used, but you know, you get, you get the idea uh, that this man could, in fact, because of his blood relation to her dead husband, could marry and save their family land and all of these things. I mean, there's a lot to this. And so then that gets us up to even uh, a couple weeks ago when Doc taught, and we see that, you know, Naomi, you know, uh, encourages Ruth, the daughter-in-law. She's like, you need to, you need to talk to this guy. He could be your redeemer. He could be our redeemer. He could redeem our family, our family name and carry on, you know, the family and all this kind of stuff. You know, and it's obviously a lot of that sounds crazy to us because we're, you know, like, I don't, you know, somebody, if I die, you know, somebody else dies and I'm not going to just go marry, you know, one of my other family members or their family members or whatever. That seems nuts. You know, the interesting thing is the more I've studied it and trying to understand all of that is what we have here is we have that this really has to do with God giving his people the land, you know, and when he gave, you know, the people of Israel the land, uh, and he divided, you know, that land up, you know, to the 12 tribes of Israel, then that land not only was divided between the 12 tribes of Israel, but then got divided between clans and families within those tribes. And the law, these laws were actually put in place for a good reason. And the reason was, was to try to uh, help people that maybe got into a really bad situation instead of them just selling and losing the land if they got in a situation like that, that the land could potentially stay within the family, stay within uh, God's people and so on and so forth. So the, the intentions uh, were good, but again, it's, you know, it's, it's a little nutty to us to, to think about that. Um, you know, so, but anyway, that, that's kind of where all this goes. And so uh, as Doc shared a couple weeks ago, um, you know, this passage leads us to the point where uh, Ruth goes to Boaz, who owns the field, who could be their redeemer, and basically puts herself out there and says, "I want you to be. I want you to be my redeemer." It's it's basically like a marriage proposal, is what it's like. Because if he if he agrees to be the redeemer of their family and take over the family land, he doesn't just get the land; he gets her as a wife, and she at this point, obviously wants this, and we see real quickly that he also wants it, but there's a caveat, as there is always a caveat, and the caveat is that he can't just be the guy, that there's another guy in front of him according to relation, according to, you know, it would, you know, would go from, you know, a brother to an uncle to a cousin to whatever it is, and whichever was closer in relation, there was one man closer, 
and he's like, well, I got to tell you, there's, there's one other closer, you know, and, and apparently he didn't have to think about it. He knew real quick. He'd been thinking about this, you know, I think, you know, all along, you know, he's fallen in love with, with Ruth or whatever it may be. And, and so anyway, in this moment, he says, look, I, I, I will go to him and I will see if he wants to be the redeemer. And if he doesn't want to be the redeemer, I'll be, I'll be the guy. I'll be the guy. And so that's where we pick up in chapter 4 of the book of Ruth. And so here we have this passage starting at the city gates, which is pretty interesting, but you've got to know that, uh, that the city gates were where legal matters happened, uh, judicial proceedings, uh, official matters, you know, all, all kinds of stuff like this. Uh, and and everyone, everyone kind of came through the city gate. This wasn't just a gate. It was, it was a gathering place, okay? But it was also a gate, so people are constantly coming in and out and through this. And so if you're looking for somebody, uh, it's a good good probability you could go camp out at the gate and just kind of wait, you know, for people, uh, you know, to walk through. Uh, unlike Rivergate, where not many people walk through these days. I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. I just kind of came to me. But uh, anyway, so we see Boaz going and looking for this other kin's redeemer, uh, and uh, that's where we're going to pick up. Ruth chapter 4, verse 1, it says this. It says, now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the redeemer of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down, and he took ten men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So they sat down. And then he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who has come back from the country of Moab, is selling the parcel of land that belonged to our relative Elimelech. So I thought I would tell you of it and say, buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself, least lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. So this is a this is an interesting deal. First of all, it's I mean, odd, you know, obviously it's a little odd to us, you know, all of this, you know, like the way this is working out. But you know, uh, historically, this was a this was a common thing at that point in time, uh, and you know, especially with the dealings of the land and all of these types of things, you know, this is and and this was the proper place. You know, not only was it the best place to to catch this guy, you know, to try to find him, but it was also the place that they needed to be for this to be literally a legal matter and to do some kind of you know 
deal, you know, here if, you know, he's going to take it or he's going to pass on it or whatever's going to happen. Uh, you know, this is the place. And so, you know, and, and in fact, I mean, you see, he's like, hey, man, what's going on? I mean, they obviously know each other. Interestingly enough, you know, we don't know the name of the other redeemer. You know, we don't, we don't know his name. And, and, and the writer doesn't give us the name and, and likely probably knew his name. Uh, I mean, because if you're looking at it, like we've got all these other like details of people's names and in certain spots here, but but the writer is not concerned with us knowing that person or us being caught up with who that person was historically, uh, because it doesn't matter, you know. And so, you know, basically, we've got this guy. He finds the guy, and then immediately, as soon as he's like, "Hey, you know, w- you mind having a seat?" and and you know, let me you know, kind of talk to you for a minute. He's like, "Yeah, that's fine." And so he gets him to sit down, and then he turns right around. And goes and finds ten elders. We're talking about like you know ten guys who had the authority uh, to set in on the legal proceeding of something, for them to hear and be witnesses to whatever was going to take place between them. And so that's 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 what's going on. So he he gets the ten guys, and then he's like, you know, do you guys mind coming and sitting down for a few minutes and you know kind of talking through this with us? We got we got something going on, and they're like, sure. And so they do. And so now we've got you know now we've got the deal. And so then he's like, so hey, one of our relatives, Naomi's got some land, and you're the first in line to be the redeemer for this land. You know, and so if you notice, and I think this is interesting, we see here, uh, you know, Boaz with a little bit of a strategy, you know, uh, and, and, and I don't think he does anything wrong here, uh, but, you know, he has a little bit of a strategy, and the strategy here is, I'm going to share about the land, you know, and, and he kind of like throws that out, and dude's immediately like, oh yeah, I'm on that. I'll take it, you know, because the truth is, is that given the circumstances legally binding and all that kind of stuff, you wouldn't have had to have actually paid much for it. You know, it, it, this would, this would have been more about, you know, you get the land, but then you're, you're committing to taking care of those people. So he, you know, in, in essence, he was committing to taking care of Naomi, you know, and so, uh, the, the mother-in-law. But he doesn't know about Ruth, apparently, at this moment, because then it's after, you know, that he says, you know, well, you know, by the way, you know, there's a little more to this. After he says, I'll redeem it, verse 5, it says, then Boaz said, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Here's where the commitment comes in to play, okay? So the, the second that he says yes and makes the deal. Now, he has said yes, but he hasn't made the deal. So let's be real clear on that. Uh, you know, the second he says yes and makes the deal on this, uh, you know, he is legally going to marry now Ruth and now take her on as a wife. Well, you, you got to, uh, you know, we don't, again, we don't know anything about this guy except the fact that he's like, oh, no, I can't do that. You know, and so, the, and there's, you know, there's a few reasons why he might have said that. Uh, you know, it may have been that he already had uh, children. Uh, that this one, you know, he talks about, you know, the messing up of, of his, uh, you know, impair, impair his own inheritance, you know, that his own children, that this may mess that up because if he takes this other wife and then they have a child, then that child is considered the child of Malon, 
talking about Ruth's dead husband here, okay, just giving you the facts, right? And so, uh, you know, not only would, could that mess things up for, uh, you know, him in the fact that no longer would the land be his, it would belong to this firstborn, okay, but also uh, it could interfere with his inheritance that his kids are already getting to add more children to that, to, uh, you know, add a, another wife. I mean, there, there's, there's, it just gets messy real fast, and so what you've got in this moment is you've got a guy who's willing to help out a widow when he knows he's getting some good property, okay? And I, you know, and I don't know, you know, I don't, we don't know anything about the property. We don't know if it was good for deer hunting. We don't know if it was, I know how a lot of you think, you know, you're already, some of y'all are already thinking that. I know you are, you know? Uh, you know, but anyway, you know, what we, what we, what we do know is that basically in the end, when he realizes there's more commitment than just taking on Naomi, he's like, no, I'm out. I'm out. You got that. That's, that's all you. Uh, Interestingly enough, I I love, I love the way, uh, that we see, uh, Boaz actually approaching uh, this other kin's redeemer about the situation. Uh, I love what he says here. Uh, I guess it's in verse 4. It says, if you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know for there is no one besides you to redeem it and I come after you. And he's, he's basically saying, if, if you don't want to do this, I'm, I'm game on. But, I, you know, you've got first right of refusal, and so today is your day. What do you, what do you say? You know, and he says, no, <laughs> I can't do it. In fact, the Redeemer said, verse 6, I cannot redeem it lest I impair my own inheritance. Take my right of redemption yourself, for I cannot redeem it. You know, I, I think... You know, just, you know, in hearing that, we, we recognize, you know, Boaz has been amazing, by the way, uh, if you've been with us throughout the, the scriptures that we've been studying through the book of Ruth, Boaz has been amazing as far as like how he has conducted himself, how he has cared for Ruth, how he cares for his employees. I mean, we, we could all learn a lot from Boaz. I mean, he, he's got a lot to offer for us today. And, and so as we see him, you know, in this way, even here, I think that we are beginning to realize that even for him to be the redeemer, let's say he's he's in love and all those things, and that's great. You know, um, you know, it it sounds you know a little like a Hallmark movie. You know, it could be. It's like on the makings of it. Uh, while we were away on our little getaway uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, where we were staying, when we turned the TV on, it was on Hallmark. By the way. And I don't know why, but I think we watched like at least three of those movies, like just like, I mean, they're all basically the same movie. It's like, you know, if, you know, if, if, if you're, uh, you know, if you're a gal and you're, you know, going back to your old hometown for a couple of weeks and you don't want to get stuck there, don't go hang out at a diner or a lodge and fall in love with anybody that might be like an ex-boyfriend or something, you know? Just saying the obvious. I know I'm hurting some feelings today. I'm really sorry. But, the, you know, the truth is, is that, that there's the love story is here and it's at play. But even despite that, there, there is an understanding that Boaz is making some sacrifice. And he's been making some sacrifice. 
you know, now the Lord, obviously, his hand is in this. This is a part of his story. We love, we love that. I love that. I love that it's a part of the, the story of God. I love that it's a part of the story of our Messiah to come. All of those things, those are all big here. You know, but, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting way, you know, for God to spin this, this amazing story to be a part of the lineage that would lead to Jesus for even in a moment here to come to this point where the question is literally in the court of law, you know, who is willing to pay for the redemption of these people? Not that guy, but Boaz is willing to. One guy is good for redeeming it as long as it pays off for him. You know, and I think that's an interesting thing to think about because, you know, for that guy, that first guy that had first right, you know, it, it, it made sense on just a business you know, playing field of, you know, yeah, well, I, I can do this. But the second that he thought about the possibility of a wife, which could include a child that would then in turn inherit the field and leave nothing for him personally or his children and the investment that he would have to put in into the property, then suddenly he's like, oh, well, no, I, I, yeah, I'm out. I can't do that. You know, and so this was an investment for him. He wasn't just looking to help the family. He was looking for money. Well, then we go on in verse 7. Then we go on in verse 7. And it says this. It says, Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction. The one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. And this was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech, that was Naomi's uh, husband that passed, and all that belonged to Kilian and Malon, which were the two husbands of the, or the two, the two sons of Elimelech and Naomi, which were husbands of the, of the two daughters-in-law, um, uh, and then in verse 10, it says, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. Then all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together built the house of Israel. May you act worthily in uh, Ephrath uh, and be renowned in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. Now that it's a whole lot, and we'll go back and kind of talk about it for a minute. Uh, you know, first of all, verse seven. We'll, we'll go back. We'll go back there. Verse seven. You know, I, I love. I love this. You know, we have this in verse seven. It says, "Now that this is the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging to confirm a transaction, the one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other, and this was a manner of attesting in Israel." I I would really like for us to pick up doing this. Can we try to Can we try to make this happen? Like, I would love to like. Just I'm going to just try to make deals with people who I like their shoes. 
okay? So Josh and Ben uh, and uh, a couple others of you, we're just going to like just start making deals for Jordans or something, okay? Uh, on whatever, you know, here's a, here's a bottle of water, um, you know. But uh, yeah, and, and so basically, this is again, this is another, this is another practice. This was a, this was a, a tradition, uh, you know. And, and there's, there's, there's meaning I think behind. In fact, a little bit of study kind of helped me to understand that the thought was that, uh, you know, that you had walked the land, okay, uh, and then because you had walked the land, you know, pulling the sandal off was in association with uh, the understanding that you had walked the land with that. And so I've walked the land, and so you know, here, here it is. It is now your you know, kind of thing, uh, you know, kind of a taking of possession uh, of it, so to speak, um, you know, and so we, we've got that piece, but then, but then we have, uh, we have Boaz, you know, who is, you know, ready to give a speech, like he, I mean, he's been thinking about this, folks, this isn't like a haphazard, you know, like, I, you know, I'm just in the moment, you know, maybe he is a little bit in the moment, but I, I think he's really thought this through. I think he's th thought this moment through, uh, you know, of what this really looks like and for this to happen, uh, you know, and so, you know, verse 9, he starts, then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, you are witnesses this day that I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Killian and Malon, and also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon, I have bought to be my wife, to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance, that the name of the dead may not be cut off from among his brothers and from the gate of his native place. You are witnesses this day. He, he opens and closes with, you are witnesses this day. He is wanting this to be done in the books, legally the thing. Everybody knows. We got 11 people here now uh, to see it. This one guy's about to give me a shoe, uh, you know, the, you know and, and everybody, you know, it's, 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 it's going to be a done deal, you know, and so, you know, but he wants to make sure of it. And interestingly enough, he talks about the land but then he talks about Ruth, and he's and he doesn't. You know, I love I love how it's phrased here. He doesn't say, you know, and because I'm getting you know the things that belong to Limelech, uh, you know, I'm willing to take Ruth on as my wife. No, no, he says also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malon. I have bought her to be my wife. He's like she is mine. You know, like you know. Don't even think about it, you know, kind of, kind of a thing. And so she is off the market. Uh, you know, I've been thinking, you know, I've been thinking, I've been, you know, uh, he's ready. He's ready for this. She's ready for this, you know. And what an amazing thing to think about, you know, uh, you know, in this, in this whole situation of, of what, you know, God is doing is that he's taking, taking people who've been through so much, Right? been through hurt, been through pain, been through, I mean, just moments of just, you know, despair, you know, with complete and utter loss, just feeling like, you know, life can't possibly go on. You know, we have those moments in life where we think that, like, oh my gosh, it's just going to be over at this point, which is not true. And God proves that, and he proves it again and again and again all through his scriptures and all through his word. We see, this, we, we see this story in different ways of God redeeming over and over and over, 
you know, and that's what he does. He redeems. He restores. And here, for Ruth, he, he found the best guy, not just a good husband, but a good man who comes with uh, character and integrity and, and compassion and all these things that, you know, we as men should strive for in life and that we, and that we see, you know, her obviously falling in love with and God using that as a piece of the puzzle to help us to see the story be completed. And, and really, honestly, just as a reminder, to point us to Jesus, you know, like, I mean, the, here, you know, here's the thing, like, you know, we, we've got this guy, you know, that is, you know, obviously he's, you know, could, you know, the one guy that we don't know his name that could have been the redeemer, you know, and, and we end up, only thing we get out of him is a sandal, you know, and then the second guy, you know, who is a better redeemer and a great guy and all these things, and the truth is, is all part of God's plan to point us to the understanding that there is a Redeemer to come who's even better than him. You go on in that passage right here, in verse 11, and it says, Then all the people who were at the gate, you know, and the elders said, We are witnesses. And then they, and then they give these blessings, okay? And, and here are the blessings. There's three of them, okay? The first one is that God might use Ruth to bear children uh, like others before her and, and, and mentioned you know, here are, you know, Rachel and Leah. And Rachel and Leah were used to birth whole people groups, generations, the people of Israel through Leah here, you know, is this, is this understood, you know, thing. And so, you know, what, what, uh, the people of Judah. And, and, and so, you know, this is just, and so then they're basically speaking, they're praying in that moment. May you not just take her as your wife, but may she bear generations for great things such as what these other women of our heritage have done and so basically they're all there as people in that moment presumably all of the same people group they're all there because of God choosing to take a barren woman who couldn't have children and then give her children you know which would be the people of Judah that would be their people them you know, and they're like, you know, they're looking back on this and what God has done, and they're saying, you know, we, you know, uh, we don't know how much they know. Obviously, they must know a little something about the story, you know. But if you go back and you look, you know, uh, you know, she's married. Ruth was married to Malon, uh, quite possibly for ten years. If you look at the story at the very front of, you know, in chapter one of Ruth, you know, and didn't have any children. You know, neither one of the girls had children, and so, you know had been barren up to that point and they're basically just like we're we're just we're just saying this right now we're praying that not only you have children but that something great happens here is is kind of what's going on you know and and again this is god working out his plan that not only would she have children but she would have children that would be the lineage that would lead to people like king david that would then lead to people down the line to Jesus. And, and you know, here's the funny thing. I, well, we'll get back to this here in a minute. I'll say this in a minute. The second thing, the second blessing, is that his actions may be known, that he may be renowned for who he is, his worthiness, 
you know, that of who he is. And basically they're saying, you know, that for who you are, for your kindness, for your character, for your compassion, really, I mean, you could say godliness, I think here is fitting uh, because I really think he's trying to follow the Lord and we see him, you know, trying to follow the Lord, uh, you know, in this whole thing, you know, and they're saying we want, we, you know, we want this to, we want you to carry on and we want people to know, you know, who you really are and how, you know, how God's working in you. You Again, here's just a, here's a thing for us to strive for. Like what a, what a great thing for us to look at and say, man, I'm called to that. My reputation matters, you know? And I, and I think about that a lot. You know, I think, I think a lot about, you know, in this day and age, you know, it, one decision can change so much in somebody's life. And our reputation matters, but especially for the kingdom of God, more so than for any other thing. And then, and then the third blessing that they ask for is that their house would be like Tamar Perez, uh, you know, in that God uh, has planned to overcome the loss of a husband to fulfill a plan with their descendants. So if you go back and you look at that story, that's a, that's a, that's a tough story. That's uh, early, uh, late Genesis, Genesis 38, I think. Uh, you know, and uh, that's, that's not quite like this story. Where, you know, Tamar and Perez are, you know, quite on the same playing field. There's some unwillingness and some, some terrible things that happen in that story. Uh, but at the same time, they remember historically, again, that God used a situation of a barren woman and a man that helped her to be pregnant, obviously, uh, for there to be descendants and all these things. And so, uh, you know, they're just, again, they're saying, hey, you know, we're just, we're, we, just, we just believe that God has a plan here. We believe that God wants to do something here, you know, with just like it was in her life back then where she lost a husband and where Ruth lost a husband. Now God is going to overcome that uh, and bring something great. Now, I want to keep going here because in verse 12, at the very end, it says, it says something that I think is pretty important. And it says, and may your house be like the house of Perez, uh, whom Tamar bore to Judah. And then here it says this, because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman, the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. This is a very, this is a very specific, you know, phrase. I mean, you know, they could have just, you know, hey, children, you know, I hope you have a lot of kids, you know, we're going to pray for that or, you know, whatever. Uh, I really think that this is pointing us in a direction. And, and, and here's the funny thing. Here's the funny, this is what I was going to say a minute ago. As I'm, as I'm sitting here and seeing them give these blessings, which really are like prayers, over, uh, you know, Boaz and Ruth, and they're about to be marriage and all of this, you know, happening. Uh, I, I can't help but wonder, like, how much is God working in their heart in the moments that they are saying these things that do they, are they getting glimpses of the future? You know, I'm not, I'm not saying do they have a crystal ball or anything like that. I'm just saying, is God letting them in on these things? Or is he giving them just enough to run with? That historically, we would be able to look at this, you know, thousands of years later and be able to, and be able to see what God is doing through his story. But here, I really feel, you know, obviously God is doing something special, but I can't help but wonder, like, how much did they really know? Like, when they're saying the offspring thing, are they thinking about Genesis 3.15? You know Genesis 3.15, right? Genesis 3.15 is this. 
It says, I will put my enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. You know what this is talking about, right? This is, this is the first glimpse of the gospel in the scriptures as we have them from Genesis to Revelation uh, of where it speaks of Jesus crushing the head of Satan, the offspring. And here we have these guys as he's about to go giving this blessing that their offspring, you know, that, he would, he, that they would have this offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman and in generations to come, their offspring will be Jesus. And I just think that's amazing. And I think it's a foretelling, you know. And, uh, you know, and I, I, just, I just wonder, like, on that day, did, did, those, did those guys know? Did those guys have, get a glimpse from the Lord that, that this couple was going to lead to the Messiah? I mean, they knew a Messiah was going to come. So, like, you know, were they a little bit in on it? Or a lot of bit in on it? Or just kind of like, oh, God's just using them in the moment? You know? Either way, I think it's pretty cool. Seeing the reluctance of the other kin's redeemer here helps us to understand that there was a sacrifice on Boaz's part and that he was the better redeemer. But even still, a greater redeemer will come who paid the ultimate price for us all. Philippians 2, 5 says this. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in, every, in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father." Jesus would come and be the ultimate redeemer. The ultimate redeemer. No one holds a candle to what he was willing to do for us. He laid down his life for his bride because he loves us. I mean, you just think about that. I think about, you know, just how messy the bride is sometimes. Think about how messy we are with our sin sometimes. And yet he still went to the cross while we were still sinners and died for us. And that we can have a relationship with him. Folks, that's amazing. That's amazing. He's not a king in a tower ruling over a land where we can maybe send a note 
every once in a while, or we can vote for, you know, whatever. No, he wants a relationship with us. Spurgeon says this, he says, Jesus, a real person in human history, our Redeemer, died for me, a real person in desperate need. I'll read that again. Jesus, a real person in human history, our Redeemer, died for me, a real person in desperate need. That's me. That's me. Desperate need. Can't do it on my own. Need Jesus. Not just the day that he saved me. I need him every single day. And folks, our Redeemer lives. Our Redeemer lives. The grave couldn't hold him. They could kill him on a cross because he allowed it, but the grave wouldn't keep him. Our Redeemer lives. God will use who he wants to, how he wants to. Sometimes it's the weak, sometimes it's the outcast, sometimes it's the strong. God used Ruth to be a part of a plan, and today it's a reminder for us that there is a plan. And part of that plan is that there is a Redeemer. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the reminder of your word today. Lord, that we can be encouraged in our realization of, of what you've done for us through your son, Jesus. God, not, not because we deserve it, not because we're good enough, but because you loved us. God, I pray for anyone that is sitting here or listening right now that doesn't know you as their Savior, has never fully given their life to you, Lord, I pray that today would be the day. I pray that right now, Lord, that they may pray a prayer under their own breath, Lord, that they want you to be the Lord of their life, that they want you to be their Redeemer, that they want to give it all over to you. God, I pray that, I pray that they would do that today. God, I pray that you would do a work in their heart. You would change their life, that you would save them today, Lord, from their sin, from their self. God, thank you for doing that in my life. Lord, thank you for the reminder that I need you every day. Thank you for being my redeemer. God, thank you for the reminder today that you have a plan. God, I pray, Lord, that we would trust in it. God, use us for your glory. We ask all this today in your son's name. Amen.